Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 149. I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarayazel, the master of ferrets and, and ruler of, of his lair. What's I up, man? Ch- I have a chinchilla, too. Um, I'm Sarayazel. Um, I am a co-host here on the show. Um, we are, we're, we're, we're really going here. We, we're almost to three years. Um... Yeah, so uh, I've been here a long time, and um, I, I play video games, and uh, I gave way too much money to Star Citizen. I'm sorry. You should apologize. All right, and up next is the bane of all cats, Lord of Roadkill, Iowa Bait. Introduction, man. Fuck, man. I feel bad now. Uh, hey, I'm Bait, and I'm editing a research paper. Fantastic. And up next, we have Lord of All Music, master of the 80s and 90s, Jason Larson. What's up, man? Hey guys, what's up? Uh, yeah, let's see. I, I'm I'm kind of kind of struggling a little bit for 149. I got I got nothing on that one. Or yeah, we're 148. I kind of had to pull out my best one with the uh, with my math, my esoteric math reference. So I got nothing on it. But I am one of the original purveyors of the uh, biomass media empire, such as it is. Uh, I'm also submitting my still frame headshots and full body shots to Ryan Reynolds uh, in my bid to play cable. I certainly have the hair, and I'm least you know six two. At one time, I was I was built pretty good. I'm a little old old now and got bad limps, so we'll see how it works out. Well, I mean, we do have a, a datesforbait.com. We could have a, a jforcable.com. Maybe we could we could probably make that happen. Um, I'm going full hashtag let, on let, this one. Let, 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 let's let's do it. We'll have to get uh, get those photos out so people can see. And uh, of course, I am Pokey Draven, uh, creator of the cringeworthy introduction we've got going on here, and. Um, host for the show and uh, writer of the blog sometimes. So let's get started with our usual lineup here. So uh, pretty easy one. Justice League trailer came out this week. Uh, you all saw it, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. We'll, st- we'll start with Zell. What's your opinion on that I one? I don't like this movie. I don't like what I've seen. I, I kind of enjoy the, the, you know, they honestly showed more of the intro of, uh, for flash in the previous trailer and i kind of like that but just i i some of it's just i i don't know i don't feel like they've learned their lesson yet i feel like dc is going to take a couple more hits before they learn how to make a good movie again um yeah i i, I don't know um i i did just love the the one line that i i, I enjoyed was the you know what's your superpower exactly i'm rich <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, pretty good. Accurate. That was pretty good. So, so what what parts did you not like about? It? Like, what's what's setting you off? It's not just your PTSD from Batman v Superman. Is it like what what parts of the trailer were, were not working for you? You know, it's it's the the color, the tone, the the look. It just doesn't. It it feels disjointed. I I don't know. Like, I I think you have a certain visual style to a lot of movies, and I think that this feels very. Um, it, how would you put this? You don't I, like it because it's too dark. No, it's not. No, it's not even that. It's it's like the characters don't look like they were meant to be in the same movie in any way. Um, how, how do you know that? I, w- I I actually have to disagree with you a little bit. I would say that it's they all all have a very similar style to them. It's whether you like the overall style that they have or not. I, I mean, that's that's how I saw it anyway. I mean, which one do you think? Do you think that they are, that they literally like have just really dramatically different like stylistic looks? I, yeah, I mean, I I feel like you know 
when you see, I I feel like Batman and Wonder Woman belong in one movie and like Cyborg and the Flash belong in another. Um, you know, I as a big Stargate fan, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it, yeah, it's just I don't know. It just seems feels so off to me. We'll see. Aquaman's gonna be really dumb in that movie, dude. He's already got the no. He's power. he's, he's nah, like yeah. hey 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 hey. He, 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 he rivals Superman in in like in stupidity raw strength. In stupidity. Hey, babe, keep keep editing yeah. your homework. Um, so this... <laughs> <laughs> let's just pick on Bait today. <laughs> no, well, I, I I will have to say that I, I'm not sure what we're gonna get out of this one. I think the you know depending on how good the Wonder Woman solo movie is that will that will kind of give us a lot a lot of a hint or at least in terms of how uh, gal gadot is she strikes me as a pretty good wonder woman though i mean i, I was i've been real i was pretty impressed with her in in uh, batman versus superman and what i've seen uh at least on the interwebs of wonder woman it, pretty promising i thought i thought ben affleck was clearly the best thing going in batman versus superman in terms of his portrayal of, of batman other than the fact he kills like 78 people um, but that, but that version, at least, and it's sort of how they retconned him. But he he portrayed a really good Bruce Wayne and a really good Batman, aside from some directorial choices. Um, I am not. I was, I was not really sold on on the kid as the Flash. Uh, I can't remember. For love me, I can't remember his name. Uh, mostly because I like Grant Gustin quite a bit in the uh, the WD, WB TV show. But Ezra Miller, yeah, Ezra Miller. But Ezra Miller actually is looking not too bad jason momoa he he kind of is what he is i mean you're going to get like a big dude with long hair that can flex that's uh, aquaman is generally not that uh so i'll be kind of interested to see how how they're going to go for it but they were my understanding is they're basically treating him very much like a a thor-like you know entity or or power set in uh in this movie so cyborg no clue i I got i got no idea you know I, i mean i know a lot about the character but at least all visually, all of those, all of them seem to, nothing stood out to me is it, it just didn't look right. Let me put it that way. By the way, for the record, I know nothing about how, what the story is actually supposed to be. And all I'm referring to is the 90 second trailer. Yeah. You didn't get much in that regard. It's yeah, mostly that's, that's like, look, look at our characters. If, if, if yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, nothing, nothing really maybe went like, cringing about it you know i was like eh, you know it, it is what it is we'll, we'll see what it is um what it turns out to be rather but uh you know nothing was too bad i will say that the cgi on cyborg was a little less terrible this time around that first trailer that came out when they kind of revealed that was awful um they, they've they've cleaned that up quite a bit so that's that's good to see but uh yeah i, I don't know it, it's kind of one of those those black boxes we'll have to see how it ends up being and, and hopefully they release a little more uh substantial trailer rather than just short character intros so looking forward to, to more information on that one did you have any other thoughts Bate, before we move on no no yeah i, I did actually i'm kind of curious to see uh how they do cyborgs. The only cyborg I've ever seen is was in the uh was it the Teen Titans yeah. show yeah. that was that's, that's what I remember that's too. That's all I know of the character. Um and I'm probably not gonna delve into any uh further research. Um so just I'll just go in with what little I do know and, uh, and what, what, to. Uh, let me let me just throw this at you. One of the things that uh the D C properties do really well, aside from the WB T V shows, which are generally pretty well done and tend to have fairly long 
long uh, long runs on, on the screen. Their animated movies, which are often like direct-to-video, their animated movies are actually pretty good as, as a whole. And there's some really good uh, semi-recent, like last three, four years, some really, really good, like pretty pretty adult uh, adult style Justice League uh, type type shows. They're usually about like an hour and 10 minutes long, that kind of thing. Uh, but the way they've portrayed, if that's what, if, if your reference is, you know, the kind of the, the Teen Titans animated type stuff, you know, like Cartoon Network style, if that's your reference for like um, uh, Cyborg, if you look at some of the DC animated movies, you can get them on Netflix and, and you know, you, uh, Hulu and things like that. That's probably a, a more... Uh, probably a closer depiction to what you're going to see in the movie. Uh, and it's, it's, he definitely started out as a, as a kid character in, uh, in DC comics, but it, he's certainly evolved in terms of uh, like how he's characterized in the comics nowadays. So I'll be interested to kind of see how they, how they kind of go for that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to kind of getting some more on that too. Cause like, like Beta, I, I only remember him from uh, team Titan, team Titans, which that, version of that character wouldn't fit the feel of this film but uh there, there are other appearances I, i'm not too familiar with but it'll be cool to see how they kind of tie that all in but uh speaking of, of you know television adaptations jay you had some thoughts on uh iron fist that's that uh just finished airing last week i think uh yeah so uh i this is basically a second look at sorry lost audio over there for a minute this is basically a quick second look at iron fist so i when this first came out, I had a couple couple general thoughts on it. I was a little skeptical about it, and I, I wasn't, you know, I was kind of reserving some judgment on certain things based on what I had been seeing uh, coming out in some of the trailers and just general reading about it. Uh, one, I, I do kind of know a, a fair amount about like kind of the Marvel Comics universe, particularly their you know, Iron Fist was traditionally more of a niche character, definitely a street level kind of guy. Fits well with the the Defenders. That's kind of the group that. Uh, you know, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, you know, all, all Punisher, all those kind of folks, kind of New York street level kind of heroes. So a couple of things that I, I caught, I spotted that I was really concerned about one Finn Jones, uh, a, as an actor, he, he's not, he's actually not bad. If you see him in some of his other work, uh, but he doesn't really fit the character of Danny Rand. Uh, and then just how they were going to, how they're going to just do Iron Fist, which would normally work really well in that Netflix world, that kind of gritty, very realistic Netflix world. Because effectively, uh, Danny Rand is your classic, uh, you know, if you think, you know, the, the truly the stereotypical, like, kung fu grandmaster that can power, you know, channel chi through his body to heal himself, uh, do uh, incredible, incredible things in the martial arts world, uh, you know. That type of thing, which would lend itself towards towards the style of the uh, the Daredevil and Luke Cage shows. Well, Finn Jones, he didn't look the part. He certainly can't. I mean, he he just can't. Doesn't look comfortable in the character. The character itself, like the way he's portrayed, just does not look like he fits very well. He's definitely like a uh, kind of out of out of his skin. He's doing his best he can from an from an acting choice standpoint, but he absolutely does not have the physicality to play uh iron fist like in no way shape or form the the fight choreography the editing and just the general tone you know for a guy that's like quite literally supposed to be like the preeminent like hand-to-hand combatant in the entire marvel marvel universe at least on earth so to speak he's horrendous uh the fight scenes in daredevil are bar none twice as good as anything that's going on in iron fist Uh, so from an action standpoint 
which is very much, you know, in the core of the character. Like his superpowers are literally based on his physicality. He just doesn't, it just, it does not carry over very well at all. Uh, there are some good bright spots in there. Some of the performances are pretty good. Uh, I, th- I think uh, David Wenham as the bad guy, Meacham is actually quite good. Uh, there, there's a few other callbacks to some of the other Netflix series that, that are kind of in there that don't fit quite well in terms of some of the side characters. Uh, they just don't, I mean, there's a lot of good pieces, uh, but there's a lot of bad pieces and they're all sort of just meshed, mashed together. So I, not that real well laced together of a narrative plot. It's really drags along. It takes about two to three episodes to get about one episode's worth of actual material in. And there's no real payoff in terms of him being the iron fist, so to speak. So um, my, you know, kind of my big uh, second look comment would be, I think daredevil, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones all were pretty solid base hits and or home runs in their own right. So this is the fourth one out of the gate for Netflix in the Marvel universe. I think they're kind of due for a slip and this is it. So my hope is that they, that they get this laced together somehow. I said they're, they're, John Bernthal is going to come back in the uh, a, uh, Punisher series, a uh, Netflix Punisher series. And he was a true standout in the, in the daredevil piece. So I actually think they'll get back to form when they bring John Bernthal back and do a Punisher run, but the iron fist, not, not so good. So that would be uh, Jay's second look at Netflix's Iron Fist. So is it like every martial arts like movie uh, as far as the story where they, they all basically have the same story, if you understand what I'm saying? No, no. So, okay. I mean, his the, the problem is there's too many like rich white guys that, that like go away for 15 years and train their body to be like, you know, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of them. I see. So okay. that, that, that's a little bit of it. Now I, I I'll tell you, you know, straight up, I am not a fan at all of taking tried and true comic book properties and then changing, swapping genders and races for no reason other than multiculturalism. I would actually much rather than make new heroes and new characters and bring them to the front. You know, Wait, that, did they do that for this? No, they didn't. And, and so there was oh. actually, so my, my point there was there's a lot of outcry about like, Hey, why don't you make this an Asian American, by the way, which I found somewhat stereotypical anyway, anyway, you make the Kung Fu master, the Asian American <laughs> you know, superhero, by the way. Uh, so anyway, th- it just, it just didn't, it doesn't go very well. Cause there's a lot of Danny Rand's backstory that is like fish out of water in the magical city, so to speak, which is if I remember correctly, Kun Lun, Kun, Kun Lun is very similar to where, uh, Doctor Strange goes when he gets his, you know, harnesses his magical powers. And if you saw the Doctor Strange movie, the Benjamin Bratt plays uh, one of the guys that went to the city and he's like, hey, I, I don't want to be a magician, but I wanted to heal my body. And basically, if you if you watch that and then you, and you and the Netflix series actually does it pretty well, what he was doing, the magical energy in his body, his chi, his inner, his inner energy, that's what was allowing Benjamin Bratt to not be a quadriplegic uh, again. That That is quite literally what, you know, that's an aspect of it. So whereas in the city that, that Danny Rand went, it's much more about the physical nature or the physical manifestation of that magic, like in the form of like Kung Fu powers, so to speak, like literally, you know, like using your fist to like smash through like an iron you know, like an iron barrier or something like that. Um, Dr. Strange, they take it like to an nth degree in terms of an external piece. All that's irrelevant. They just, they suck at it really bad at, ne- at Netflix trying to describe it. And, and unfortunately, Finn Jones is again, 
I, I'm truly not trying to throw rocks at the guy. He just is a horrible iron fist. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the entirety of the show. But my brother didn't. I kind of caught uh, a couple episodes just kind of off to the side here. And it, he he felt kind of awkward in the role. Like, I wasn't, you know, again, following the, the whole story. But it's just like, just in a, a quick glance, it's like, eh, it's, I don't know. Like, it, this looks kind of weird. Um, so I, I, I kind of, it makes sense if, if you're saying that's how it ended up being. Well, well, let me put it this way. Uh, I, I saw a YouTube, a YouTube cut, which I thought was fantastic. They took the one or two, like, kind of quote-unquote marquee uh, action sequences from Iron Fist with Finn Jones. And, and because he is not a he is not a martial artist in any way, shape, or form, you know, he's just a dude that worked out a little bit. And, and by that, I mean a little bit, like not much. Um, they have to aggressively edit and cut the fight scenes. So he took, he took a couple of those, and then he showed the hallway fight from Daredevil, you know, that like nine-minute-long single-camera like no edit fight scene that they had that was like just phenomenal. They took that and they took uh, things like Enter the Dragon from Bruce Lee, you know, where he fought like you know twenty guys in a single cut, like no, like literally, no, uh, no jump cutting or anything like that. And then you see this and you're just like, man, they're like they they are not making this look good. <laughs> they, they they are just they're just they just did a really poor job with. Uh, Imagine, imagine trying to have like a Superman movie and Superman doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> there was yeah. ten years of that on TV. True statement. <laughs> oh, but he at least, but he at least appeared to fly off screen. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. But like you said, they've had a lot of really good hits uh, over the past couple of years here. So you know, it, you, you you can't hit them all out of the park. So it's it's kind of to be expected. But it is unfortunate this one wasn't as good as some people uh, may have hoped. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's move along from that. Uh, kind of go into our uh, a bit of a CCP update. Uh, I know we haven't had one in quite a while. Let's into our gaming news here. It looks like uh, that CCP Frame posted on Twitter uh, about four days ago. Looks of it that uh, Shanghai is looking to hire an art director, a programmer, an audio designer, which is kind of interesting because uh, we hadn't talked about it because it happened a long time ago, but it's probably pertinent now that we found out recently that about a year ago, CCP Patriot who is the original art director working at Shanghai, uh, left the company to work for a, a different company. Um, and it just, it didn't really pop up. We didn't notice it until we looked at his LinkedIn and it said, hey, I started working at this new company about a year ago. Uh, so it's, it's a little unclear if uh, they haven't filled that position since then, since about a year ago, or if they filled it and since they need another one or, or another replacement or something like that. But uh, just something to keep in mind, you can take it for what you will, that Shanghai is looking for, again, an art director, a programmer, and an audio designer. Um, but yeah. Uh, in other news, one thing that did kind of pop up that I, I caught my eye, it looks like there is some leaked promotional material for Destiny 2 that came out of an Italian uh, marketing agency. And this has been confirmed by several sources, so uh, from what I can tell, it is pretty accurate. And, and basically, it's just a promotional poster for Destiny 2. Um, it sets the release date as September 8th, which makes sense because three years ago in 2014, the game came out on September 9th. So, you know, they, they're keeping pretty pretty on track with their uh, their release schedule in terms of getting stuff out pretty much around the same time every year. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, Destiny 2. That seems to be the working title they've got for the promotional material, which probably makes sense to me. Um, I think that if they went with uh, Destiny followed by a subtitle, it might be confused with uh, another DLC pack, which is probably the last thing they want to uh, you know project, since uh, a lot of people were kind of, myself included, uh, kind of disillusioned with the direction the game was going and 
a fresh start is probably the best way to go with it. So titling it Destiny 2, in my opinion, is probably a little unimaginative, but probably the best sense from a marketing standpoint. Um, but yeah, that's some interesting stuff. I, I, I know that a lot of us probably did try Destiny at some point. Um, are you guys excited for this? Are you not interested from the way the direction of the game went? Or what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, I, I, I hope... Like I did enjoy, I, I enjoyed Destiny when I when I played it. I just haven't played it very much, you know, lately. To be honest with you, um, the story mode, you know, I, I kind of whipped through that. But it, uh, you know, that you know, Destiny for all its all the good fluid gameplay that it provides, it you know, really slowed down. Um, I I am interested in a Destiny too, but it's really got to grab me from a story mode perspective. I think this time. Uh, that's just, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on it. There's, there's a whole lot of games that that's going to be competing with. And the one thing that destiny has a fantastic advantage on is the combat gameplay, like that minute to minute fluid combat style that you can like, you know, do that. I've seen quite a few of the games try to mess around with, but not quite get exactly the right formula. I think if they can continue to harness that and then make it a little bit deeper, maybe, you know, some, not just add like a, an additional class or something like that, but truly try to try to have a couple wrinkles in there that lets you do a couple different things. If you can couple that with a, with a legit story, I think, I think I'd be interested in it. Uh, but to be honest with you, it is a crowded game market. And, uh, and if you want me to play something for more than three hours, cause that's, that's about how much time it takes me to get to figure out everything I need to. Some some games you more than others, but three hours, like basically one night of gaming, you can figure out how much you're going, how much time you're going to spend with the game. Like they're they're going to have to do pretty good to you know to to score more time than that, or like DLC money or premium money from me. Yeah, and I I'm kind of in the same boat where it's you know I I did enjoy a lot of parts of of the original Destiny, but there was some serious serious flaws. The story mode was definitely one of them. Uh, very underdeveloped when it was hyped as being this massive epic, which it, it didn't play out to be. So I think for me, it's I'm very interested to see what they come up with. I think that if they make some really big critical changes to a lot of the systems and the story and that sort of thing and kind of hit out of the park, I'll be all over it because the parts that were good were damn good. Like the, the combat was absolutely fantastic. It, it's, it's still this day, one of the most fluid experiences you're going to get in the shooter. Um, and that can easily translate to the next one. Uh, you know, again, and also dropping things like PS3, PS3 supports obviously gone. It, it has been gone since Rise of Iron, which opens up avenues of new things you can do, um, new systems. Uh, lots of talk about it going to PC as well, so that will help kind of open up the market. That's that will be interesting to see. Um, it does look like it does have um, PS4 exclusive content, from what I can tell in the poster. It's got a little exclusive uh, sticker in the corner, so we'll, we'll probably see more of that, unfortunately. But uh, you know. Overall, I, I want to see what they come up with, and I imagine E3 will probably be uh, pretty telling. I think that'll kind of be their big reveal and, and talk about all the features of the game to get hyped up for uh, release this September. So looking forward to see what they come up with. Um, I'm cautious, but I think that if they can get the parts that were bad and fix them, I think it could turn out to be pretty solid because, like I said, the stuff that was good was was really good, and uh, if you had that with actual proper supporting you know, story and, and end game content and stuff like that, I think it could be a really, really solid game. But like you said, Jay, um, 
crowded market. You know, it, it's you've really got to hit it out of the park to get my attention to to really devote a lot of time into a game, especially one that's kind of built around you're going to keep playing this you know, several times a week for a long period of time. That's the way the game is designed. Um, you you really got to do a good job to, to kind of hook people on that, especially with, you know, people who have, you know, full-time jobs and other responsibilities. They don't have time to, to devote into 30 different games throughout the week. So we'll we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they come up with. And, and E3 should certainly be interesting with uh, whatever they decide to show off. Yeah, they like you said, a lot, lot going for it. But they just got to get... They're going to get something else on the ball. I'm sorry, Bryce. Uh, go ahead. No, yeah, you're fine. I, I was just thinking while, while y'all were talking. So this game is set to come out this year, isn't it? Yes, Supposedly. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how, how much or how long between when we first heard about the, you know, the first Destiny game and release did how much time pass? It, it was a while, wasn't it? I, I imagine so. Um, because they were hyping this game up, and now it's like they're they're staying silent until until June, and then even between June and September, that's that's what three months. That I obviously I assume we're going to hear more in that three month span, but it just seemed like we first heard about Destiny and all these great things about it, you know, as they were getting the hype train going. Then when it uh, when it actually came out, obviously we all know how that went. Yeah, I mean, they've been quietly talking about it. They're like, yeah, we've got a small team working on, uh, I think Rise of Iron was the name of the, the, the latest expansion. It was, it was a pretty small expansion, but it was, that was the work. But everyone else is working on Destiny 2. Um, and so they, they were kind of quietly talking about, like, yeah, we're working on it, but just, you know, here, enjoy this content here while we do our thing in the background with the rest of it. And I think that you kind of get into this awkward situation um, where the first game was obviously way overhyped like like Paul it's McCartney it, it is it is now the benchmark of when you overhype something it's on a scale of one to destiny um so when you're approaching you know effectively what's going to be a reboot because like I said before uh your characters their appearance can transform into the game but all of your gear your equipment your levels everything is being wiped so it's effectively a reboot like your your character is a new character when you're doing a reboot like this and your biggest mistake the first time around was overhyping it as soon as you start the hype train people are going to immediately jump on that and be like you're doing the same shit again we're not interested screw you bunch we're out you know so you got to approach it very very cautiously and i think that a very controlled marketing campaign of like, okay, we're going to show the whole kind of the big picture of what we're doing all at once, rather than this ongoing train of hype is probably the best way to handle it. Um, kind of keeping quiet until right before going like, this is what we have done. This is what is going to actually be in the game. Don't expect it to be this ongoing series of promises like, you know, star citizen or hell dust for that matter. Um, this is what it's going to be. And, you know, really, really clear, solid expectations and a very controlled, big picture vision of what's going on. That's probably what they're doing. That's probably a really good choice because any hint of pushing towards that marketing campaign that they had before with the first game isn't going to end well for them. So I, I'm, I've just pulled up. Uh, Games Radar is actually usually pretty, pretty legit in terms of uh, current news from the industry. Uh, Cross-checking them with about two or three other sources while you were talking, it looks like it's confirmed for 
late fourth quarter or, or early first quarter. So probably they're, they're betting September. Uh, they're looking at a June for like a beta, like some kind of releasable format. The big thing is, and this is actually, a, uh, this is kind of a, not a big thing, but it's a quote from some of the Destiny folks. It looks like, or from Activision, looks like you will not be able to, it will not carry over your character's stuff. So you, if you've completed the, the Black Garden and you've got tw level 20, which is pr pretty much everybody who's ever played the game, uh, you you retain class, race, gender, hair, face, uh, any tattoos, markings, basically the 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 like customized character like the avatar you can carry that over but you get no powers possessions no weapons no eververse items emotes silver no, nothing that you put any time or money into in the game uh none of that will will stay uh so it's certainly not going to carry over uh but it is also indicating it's it's definitely going to be a much more cinematic and story driven uh event with more relatable characters for whatever that means the emotes aren't going to carry over. Nope. <laughs> that that's an that, interesting point. Yeah, yeah I wonder what the yeah I would be this. too. I wonder what their reasoning behind that is. I mean, because the fucking emotes are fucking emo, dude. They, I mean, it's because it's because they want money. I understand why they're doing it, but it's still retarded. All right, let me let me let me read you the quote from the Bungie rep. Yeah, please do. We believe this is the best path forward. Bungie said, it allows us to introduce the major advancements and improvements that all of us expect from a sequel, ensuring that it will be the best game we can create, unencumbered by the past. We are looking forward to sharing more details with you later this year on how we will honestly, how we will honor your legacy in the future. What that translates into is, I'll let you keep some shit that you didn't have to spend money on, but anything you spent money on, I'm going to make you get again. Mm -hmm. It makes it sound like they, they're thinking the emotes are going to like give people some fucking PTSD or something. Like, oh my god, there's a Disney <laughs> 1 emote. Fuck! I, I just, I don't know why this is surprising. I mean, it's you not, know... It's yeah, not surprising, when you, it's when you get weird. a game, When you get a new game, it generally starts you over, you know? You get... You well, get a new game, and it's like suddenly, oh, you you clearly forgot everything that you learned. So we're gonna we're gonna have to reteach you all your basic skills that you're gonna have to unlock again. That's nothing new. No, Did you well, have to reteach me how to send a stupid emote. I, I think the uh, I, I think one of the things that I would kind of offer on this one is um, Destiny was built as is is a game that was more about extended additions to the game. As opposed to a series of games, and Dust had a ten-year plan. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, but and and rightly so. Both those games, when you start, when when you lay that out as the foundational piece of your game, and you don't do it, it's okay to call them on it. By the way, absolutely in no way does that remotely, you know, make it not a feasible thing for the game developer to change their mind or to do whatever is best for them. It just, it's probably, it's just okay to point that out. That's things where I'm coming from on it. Yeah, I mean, from a standpoint of, of wiping characters, I think that that makes sense just because I think a lot of the ways that they did things from a game design perspective was kind of messed up. I mean, they struggled even with, uh, you know, when the, the expansions came out, trying to make old content relevant but not have this power creep. It, it was messy. I think that getting rid of that and being having, having a clean slate to start over is fine. You know, it sucks. It, it, I think that maybe they intended to or... You know, they, they at least imply that the game is going to be an ongoing experience that just is built upon itself over a long period of time. And people can be upset about that. That's fine. I totally get that. 
Um, from a design perspective, I, I think it's probably a positive for the gameplay itself to kind of do that reset. But the cosmetics that you buy with the premium currency, that's that's kind of a load of shit that they have to wipe that because it's going to leave them, you know, unencumbered. You can translate character animations. It's not like it's a gameplay element. That seems kind of like a marketing ploy to get you to, you know, buy it again, which is is bullshit. I never bought that stuff, so I'm not personally upset about it. But I only agree with outrage if, if people are upset about that because, come on, it's a freaking emote. Like, you don't need to wipe that. Totally agree. But yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Bate. No, I was just going to say, I was just thinking, if it's going to come out this year, I, I'm wondering when they're going to pull the, uh, when they're going to launch the beta. If I had to guess, depending on when uh, they're, it was Activision and Bungie, I'm sure they're going to have a thing at E3, depending on if they have a big thing. Uh, I, I would think that the beta would, it, they're going to be up on stage and they're going to be, oh, by the way, the beta's available for when you guys get home. Well, so, yeah, E3's mid-June, mid so yeah, that yeah. would fit the timeline. I mean, yeah. that's people like that, you know, when they can announce oh. something and go, it's playable right now, you know, that's that's always fun for people. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. It'd be kind of neat. And it and like the, the timeline that Jay, that Jay laid out, you know, June for beta makes sense. So, you know. Mm-hmm. All righty. So uh, speaking of spacey fun with lots of spaceships, Zell. Star Citizen update, any cool stuff going on with that? Yeah, so um, the uh, the 2.6.2 update, which I uh, money, 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 money. mentioned before. <laughs> money! Um, so, you know, it's mostly mostly a bug fix patch, and it has gone to... Um, uh, it has been pushed out to the uh, public test universe. Um, I have not actually... I, I ran out of space. I It was... It was find a hundred gigs of space or not be able to play Mass Effect. So the 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 test universe copy of Star Citizen got trashed this week. Wait, <laughs> um, how big is that game? I I, th- I think it clocks it, it clocks like thirty gigs. Uh, Mass Effect is fifty five, I think. Um, oh, yeah, no, but I, I was trying to find space, and the public test universe did go away. So I don't I don't I'm gonna have to wait till it comes out. Um, but uh, kind of the big surprise was that, uh, you know, they, they had this list of everything that was going to be in this patch, and it's been out there for um, well over uh, like a month or two. And uh, just this week, as they pushed it out to uh, the public, they're like, oh, and we put in a new ship because we, we were working on it and we weren't sure it was going to be ready. And it is. So we gave it to you. And it's called the uh, Drake Buccaneer from the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's, it looks kind of like a it's, it's not it's not a tiny ship, but it's it's not one of the big ones either. It's it's something they uh, you know, threw together fairly quick. I think they probably only announced it a couple months ago. Um, you know, they've they've had a lot of ships that are much bigger that have you know been promised for years, and then some of these small like fighter size ships, um, they have a really good workflow for just pushing those out, and so um, they tend to come out pretty quick now. All right, fantastic. So I mean, it's good to see that they're actually, you know, pushing content out and, and getting things rolling as as much of a trickle as it is. It's at least they're moving forward, which is always a positive. And I mean, you know, this one patch is like a year's worth of dust content. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah, but for triple the money, Zell. Oh God, more than triple. <laughs> <laughs> we we can have a rolling counter on the website of Zell's current investment in <laughs> <Star Citizen. laughs> 
it that number hasn't moved actually in, in quite a while, so I did oh, it's been nothing something. really appealing for me. Give you to do it. Yeah. Okay. It, it might happen. You know, sometimes just the right the right playable experience and suddenly I'm like, what can I give you more of my money on? Well, I mean, that's that's when it comes to monetization of games, the key element is making the players want to spend money, not making them feel like they have to. So if they're making you want to spend money, then they're doing something right. You know what we need is we need a converter that converts the amount of money that Zell has spent on Star Citizen to the number of like fucking Big Macs you could have got. And then each time you add another Big Mac. And how much weight he would have gained from consuming those Big Macs compared to the weight of the starships he purchased? Exactly. Okay, I'm I'm pretty sure you can probably buy more starship than you can Big Mac if we're talking pound (laughs) for pound. Okay. Um, But speaking of of starships and and, and whatnot, so I know Zell is probably a huge fan of this one. I'm not sure anyone else is, but StarCraft remastered what's going on with that cell so i'm actually I, I honestly i'm really bad at rts's i'm not a starcraft player i play you know I, i've played uh, world of warcraft for for many years um here's the storm overwatch i've you know i i'm a pretty big blizzard customer um but i'm not good at starcraft hmm. um but uh you know starcraft is uh something like what over, almost is it 20 years old now i think it's got to be sure. close yeah, um, it's a little older than that. I think the original one. Yeah, it, you know, it might be like 22. It might have been a it 95 title or something like that. 20 years old next year. Oh, okay. Not right. March 31st. So, um, yeah, StarCraft is uh, pretty old. And surprisingly, um, StarCraft is still actually really popular. Um, I mean, they're like up until them coming out with StarCraft 2 a few years ago... Um, you know, StarCraft was still one of the really, really common games that would, you know, show up despite having gotten really no attention from the company. Um, and, uh, StarCraft 2, of course, actually honestly felt like a remastering to me almost because there's not a lot mechanically different. Uh, I think they did rehash a lot of the same story points in, uh, StarCraft 2 going so far as to have recreated some of the, uh, scenes and stuff directly. Um... But uh, they are going to be remastering the original StarCraft. Uh, it's going to support, you know, 4K resolution graphics and everything. But they're going to maintain all of the original quirkiness of the gameplay. There, so, like, one of the things I heard was that, um, like, the pathfinding when you moved characters was a little weird. And there were certain, you know, ways you would play because of that. And they're going to keep all of that. They're not going to f- fix anything mechanically with the game. Um, so it is as original of an experience as possible on your nice new shiny giant screens. You know, I have to say, I have to give Blizzard props for their games remaining semi-popular for a really long time. I mean, like, I think Diablo 2 is still played, and that was, shit, probably 15 years ago. Like, they, their games hold out for a really long time. Their fans are, are really diehard, and I think that, you know going back and doing these remasters is is really good for those people and uh yeah and this is this is expected um summer of this year um you know it's not surprising as a you know a remaster that's not gonna take them too long to make it happen um but uh yeah that's 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 pretty cool um i'm kind of curious as they they they've not announced pricing um and related information um 
I, I almost wonder, like, your current Battle.net account can have StarCraft keys. You know, classic StarCraft keys can be put in that account. Um, I almost wonder if they would do something real crazy and, like, upgrade people for free. I kind of doubt it, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting to see see it. It it's you don't see a remaster of a game this old that that often. Well, especially when there's already a sequel that has come out for it with, with you know all modern graphics and, and all that stuff. So it's it's interesting that they'd go back to the original one and actually remaster that one instead of just doing more with StarCraft Two. Not surprised. Blizzard knows it's going to make money and it oh, will yeah. make a fucking killing. Yeah, and even if they just offer an upgrade, like a, a discounted upgrade price for existing StarCraft One players, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be huge. So, oh, and I'm I'm also looking actually. So this would say that they're probably not doing an upgrade for free. Is there's there? It it also says they're actually going to update StarCraft Brood War, which is the last expansion for that game, uh, to a new version that'll include a bunch of bug fixes and compatibility improvements for you know current versions of Windows. Um, and it says that the newer or the original StarCraft game is actually going to be free to play once this update comes out. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, what, why bother selling the old version when you've got a new version that's for sale? Hipsters. That's true. StarCraft hipsters. But yeah, that's, you know, a lot of cool stuff they're doing with something that's really, really classic. And game preservation is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart because, uh, you know, I, I do worry about, uh, you know, especially with DRM and incompatibility of older games that some stuff is just not possible to experience anymore fair enough all right so another thing that actually kind of went uh, it's going free to play is eternal crusade which is kind of a warhammer 40k uh mmo from my understanding and i, I know that you you gave it a shot at one point jade what were your thoughts on that one um it, it was you know okay so it's mediocre it's a third person shooter um uh, like arena battle now that when I say mediocre, it is um, if you are a fan of the Warhammer 40k uh, IP of that that sort of world, you, you will find it interesting and probably somewhat entertaining. It was it's very similar stylistically to 2011 Relics, uh, uh, their Warhammer 40k Space Marine game that came out on PlayStation. Uh, so visually, really grasps the 40k world, which is a really super deep, long running. Uh, kind of uh, much more than a tabletop game now. It's like, you know, in all kind of different venues. Uh, but it is visually pretty solid in some areas. There's a couple of weird textures here and there. But other than that, it's a really, really bland shooter. And, and it's kind of plagued with balance issues. Um, think it's kind of like, you know, it's sort of like the land of not quite right. Uh, and then when you take it in the aggregate, it's not good. I mean, it's, it hovers in the mid fifties, uh, or the you know, low sixties on Metacritic pretty much consistently. So my assumption is them expanding. They've always had free to play. So I think what they're doing with expanding the free to play, it's really just, uh, I, I really think they're, they're scrambling to get some, some people to play the game or get more people to play the game. And they were one of, they, they were originally running a pretty decent, sort of fairly transparent development process. And they were doing a lot of, you know, like you could invest in the game. It was sort of like not really a Kickstarter, but you could definitely like, um, you know, kind of put, you know, as is the, as is the day, put, put money into the game before it comes out kind of thing, hoping it's going to get good. You'll get some, you know, you know, premium content, that kind of stuff. Um, it is absolutely not living up to, to what it, 
what they said it was going to be, which shocker. Uh, but you can get into some battles with up to 60 people, uh, you know, in these you know, larger scale ones. There's just, I mean, these kind of games really thrive on having large piles of people in them. And it doesn't quite pull that up, pull it off well enough to get those people in the door. Um, I would, I, it, it's not as much polish on it as it could have had. And, and there's, like I said, there's a lot of just kind of fundamental problems with it. It is not, it is not a bad game but is absolutely not good enough for you to put real money down on uh, right now. So free to well, play, no, you, you don't want have to try to. it out. Yeah, I mean, you could try it out and, and see what you like, but I think what you're going to find is there's a lot of other games that probably do that better, uh, in all fairness. And, uh, yeah, so this is already free to play. Uh, the announcement, uh, this is actually something that um, was talking kind of at the beginning of this month, and then um, I forgot to put it on the list and talk about it, and I saw again that uh, as of this week, they actually announced that they have triple their daily active users after the free-to-play switch, which isn't too surprising for for any game moving to free-to-play. Is it on Steam? Yep. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, Evolve did the same thing, where they were a paid game that went free-to-play, and they <laughs> it was like a 16,000% like, yeah. increase, but then it, it like kind of died off shortly after because people realized the game is shit. So, you know, it, it, it it's kind of comes to the territory that, sure, your your numbers are going to go up, but uh, retention is usually not that great. Like, it, it can work where you've got a game that goes free-to-play. I think uh, A Little Scrolls Online did pretty well with that. I think they went free-to-play and, and survived, but all too often you see it kind of as this last-ditch attempt to inject players into the game and, and hopefully make a few bucks off the, the remaining microtransactions you can get out of them, and then it, it kind of goes to die. So, it, well, you know, I, I think these Warhammer games tend to rely on the nostalgia and the IP a little too much. I think uh, Space Hulk Deathwing kind of fell into that category as well, where everyone says it's a great homage to, you know, the lore and, and all that, and if you're a fan, you're going to love the references, but the game is kind of meh. So I think this is probably another unfortunate case of that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a a very good, very good synopsis of a lot of the video games. I would say Dawn of War, which is very much in the same vein as StarCraft, uh, and you know that you know, that was a preeminent RTS game uh, for a long, for a long, long time. That was a, you know kind of game of the year RTS uh, a few times in some of its different uh, different versions. But yeah, they they've got a they put a lot of energy in get into getting the look of the Warhammer games right, uh, which will pull a certain audience to them. But if they could go the extra mile and just get a little bit more into the actual gameplay, they could, they you often could get some, some pretty killer gains. They tend to turn out a lot of C plus B minus games. And that's, this is a, a good example of that. Alrighty. Sounds good. So in terms of other games that were kind of eh, pretty good, uh, had some issues, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is kind of a, a big hot point of, of discussion this week because uh, it did come out, you know, uh, last week. Uh, new trailer came out for the Sarah Ryder trailer, which I imagine is just kind of the female version of the male Ryder uh, trailer, and that that was that was pretty cool. But I think the the kind of the, the big one that we want to get into is that both uh, Zell and Jay gave the game a shot. Uh, Bait and I are holding off because of 18 quintillion glitches, but uh, um, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on on, on the game and and kind of your opinion of some of the issues it's been experiencing in the press surrounding that. So I'll kind of leave that open to you guys. Jake, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, you're going to have more than me. Um, I, I can tell you, you played more just from the, the very light notes you put here. 
Um, I only had a couple hours to get in and try it. I, I um, basically completed what I guess you'd call the prologue before you kind of get to, uh, you know, you know, with the the home area for the, for this um, game. Um, I have not gotten my pretty spaceship yet, um, but I, I put in a, a few good hours of of gameplay. Um, I tend to be a little slow because I like to poke around everything I can. Um, and uh, I I enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed it so far. I you know the the animation stuff. It, it as I said before, from what I'd seen uh, before actually trying it, is much what I still see is it's not it's it's feels like they haven't improved that craft since uh, you know they started making Mass Effect games. Um, you know, comparing to you know the other big AAA title I've played recently, which is Infinite Warfare. There's no comparison. Infinite Warfare looks better. Um, it you know in terms of the the visual quality of the you know character animation, facial expressions, all of it. Um, but it it's not really a huge issue for me. Um, I I've enjoyed what I've done with it so far. Um, I, I like some of the complaints. Have, ended up on the really mundane um some people s- say like i've heard complaints about sarah specifically more than anything else um her appearance isn't the most attractive female character known to mankind um i'm totally cool with that um you know she's a space explorer um not a supermodel um and f- even the facial expressions people look weird <laughs> i i don't know um i don't want to stand and, and like highly defend the title and especially because i haven't played as much of it uh as as i should have found time for um but uh i i enjoy it it's mass effect and i'm super happy to be playing it (laughs) all right what are your thoughts jay well let's see um he's got a list here yeah (laughs) where to start okay so i kind of jokingly referred to this in our show notes uh as a, a Kind of something to the effect of like pretty much the the uh, a, a game that would be really good if you didn't compare it to us or other Mass Effects games. Mass Effect games. I, I definitely stand by that. So, long story short, uh, it is not a direct. Uh, it, you're certainly not in the Shepard trilogy like you were in Mass Effects one, Mass Effect one, two, and three, and those were definitely iterative in their in their in their play. There was like incremental improvements. Uh, in how you did certain things in the game through the first three. So this one is um, very conservative in terms of how they approach the game is the best way I can describe it. So they tried to, to, I think, effectively take a lot of the things that that were in kind of Mass Effect 1 and 3 and then just hold on to that. And they really did not take any serious risks with anything. And by serious risks, I mean, I don't think they took any. Uh, so I, I'll I'll kind of run down sort of my quick positives and negatives of the game, uh, you know, to kind of kind of touch on some of this. So uh, for the positives first, it does have a pretty deep storyline and side mission. So in terms of how dense the game is, it's actually pretty pretty good. I'm let's see, probably uh, 30 hours in, uh, and there's still you know well probably about 25 hours in. And there is plenty of game left, uh, and that's not. And I'm certainly not doing all of the side missions. I'm not uh, 
a true completionist uh, in terms of like, I got to do every single thing on the level. And it, it, the game's really good about like, you can't actually do everything on one planet at one time. You often have to jump and come back a couple of times, uh, you know, based on when certain, certain terrain options are available to you. So from that aspect, it, it can engage you for quite some time. Uh, it does have that capability. And l- let me be clear when I say it can engage you, this can be, this is a, this is definitely not a bad game. It's actually a good game, but it really suffers when you compare it to kind of the, you know, the first three games in the Mass Effect series. This is, uh, you know, this, this, this game happens in the Mass Effect world, but is certainly not tied to those three, those three. So the companions, which were often a highlight of the first three Mass Effect ones, there are some good ones in here. They're, they're not necessarily some of my favorites because uh, you had like some really marquee sort of AI party members that really set the bar in some of the first three, uh, particularly, I think, probably you know, one and three. But you but you do have a few in here that are quite well done, very well, well written, really good storylines that go with them, kind of interesting takes on it. Uh, that being said, they're exactly the same kind, the exact same characters with different names that you've had in other Mass Effect games. So they really didn't, you know, didn't, nobody went out on a limb on this one. Um, the combat system itself is better. I, I will absolutely say that. So now better is a relative term, by the way. So the combat system and how fluid you move and how you fight is a little bit better. It's certainly you don't get like that destiny like feel that the trailers were showing you or, or if you do get to that, it's really, really deep in the game when you've upgraded the heck out of your character for all kind of different mobility options, which you certainly can't get through the first, you know, 10 or 12 levels of character development. Uh, there is some innovative things that they tried, but again, very hesitant, very conservative. We'll talk about some of their design choices, but the combat does stack up pretty well. Now, let me, again, to kind of be clear, it is less tactical gameplay and a little bit more fluid sort of on the move gameplay. Uh, and the original Mass Effect is definitely you move, you you select when you take cover, you kind of use different tactical options and um it was basically, you know, a step beyond XCOM. I mean, it was definitely mobile. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it was, you know, different style of gameplay. So, kind of going into some things that don't work well, and I'll, I'll flow right off of that. The auto cover system is horrendous. Uh, Destiny, or, or correction, not Destiny, but uh, the Division actually did auto cover relatively well. Um, this one does not, not at all. It's very, it's very janky in terms of like when you're in cover, when you're out, um, if you really want a piece of cover and your AI partner has it, you're not getting it. Um, the AI controls that you have in terms of your squad mates, they're actually pretty smart. They're very aggressive. So they're, they're pretty self-sufficient when you fight, but you have a lot less control over them too. So there there's, again, that's a design choice. It worked out well in some cases and some, you know, not so much. Um, in, in the combat system itself, uh, one of the things I would point out, they do have a cool option called profiles where you can basically, there's these static sort of, uh, like optimizations that you can have that your, your in character, uh, neural network or AI can feed you. Like you can have a soldier profile, a infiltrator profile or this or that and the other. So it basically optimizes your performance, uh, for certain things. And in the in what Jake was describing, sort of the prologue mission, you watch the character that's your father 
go through these in a combat scenario and you get this feel that you can do this on the fly really, really fast. Like I need a combat powerhouse and it's like, I need to upload my profile for a hacker and then I need to switch back to an infiltrator and it's done very, very seamlessly. And the way they did it in that, in the prologue is exactly how you want to play that, but it absolutely doesn't let you do it. They should stop the action. There's no hotkey to do it. You stop the action. There's no will menu. Go into a series of pained uh, and tabbed UI settings to get to what you want and then switch. So it's really aggravating. So it really kind of defeats some of the things. Moving on to the, to the, to the UI, this kind of falls in a very large category called uh, questionable design choices. The UI is not in combat per se. There's a little bit of that when you talk about the profiles and, and like how to use consumables and you know things like that. But generally, just how you do stuff in the game when not in combat is really tedious. Uh, you do have to go through a series of different menu options to do almost anything, which is kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, the crafting system and the design, the R&D system, really much, really a pain in the pain in the butt. And none of it is described very well in the game, like at all. It took me a, it took me about ten hours in to figure out there's an actual tutorial, uh, or not even a tutorial, just like a, an instruction instruction list that you can find in inside one of the menus of the game. And it doesn't, and again, does not really explain to you how certain things work very well. So that wasn't great. Um, the map design is generally pretty good. Uh, the big maps where you're like driving your your vehicle called the Nomad. It's no longer the Mako. It's by the way, the Nomad's a huge upgrade over the Mako from the old Mass Effect series. Um, there's some weird weird map options that they have in terms of, hey, I just want to go like a hundred meters over that way, but there there'll be some magical way that you can't do that uh, because of the train, and you have to go like a couple kilometers out of your way and backtrack to get there. There's a little bit of that here and there. Um, it's not it's not bad because the experience in the Nomad is not nearly as aggravating as the experience in the Mako was, but that's kind of a thing. Um, let's see. Uh, in terms of the story, again, it's it is not bad, but it's kind of vanilla. Uh, there, there's a few beats in there which are actually pretty cool. Uh, some of the companion arcs are turning out to be really well really well done, uh, but the villain, like the bad guys you fight, extremely generic, like extremely generic. Um, really doesn't drive the story very much, to be honest with you. Uh, so from that aspect, not all that great. So on to what Zell was talking about in terms of some of the graphics. Now, here's where I had one of my biggest beefs with this. And I think Zell called this, you know, Jake called this 100% right. Um, really doesn't look any better than what you got in, in maybe even the original game, to be, to be straight with you. And I would offer in the original game, it was more polished than this. And now my memory of it may be dated, but he, and here's why this is so important, at least to me. The big thing that you talked about in, in the Mass Effect series was your choices, the character interactions, the, you know, every, you talked about everything but combat, basically. There was not a lot of people that were like super hyped about the minute to minute shooting combat of Mass Effect. It was a way to move the story forward, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't the thing that the game was about, like a call, you know, how a Call of Duty game is. So, if you're going to get anything right in a game like this, and you've got the name Mass Effect in the title anywhere, you probably really, really need to get the character interactions right, where it has a very intuitive and immersive feel. The writing is actually okay uh, in the game; it's it's actually not bad. I would give it a you know a B plus. 
it's not going to knock your socks off by any stretch, but there's some elements of it that are pretty well done. Some of the payoffs, not so much, but it, like I said, they're not bad. They're just average at best. And those kind of bring that, bring it down a little bit, but it, the, the animations, the weird jankiness in the game, sometimes characters in the background, like just literally like not interactable characters doing really weird things. Some, it just, really distracts from what should be and often was the strongest part of the game in the original mass mass effect series. Uh, so that was, that was definitely one. Um, oh yeah, I, I did, for, I did forget this. There is a multiplayer option, by the way, it's a co-op multiplayer where you're kind of fighting waves of enemies, uh, you know, player, you know, co-op versus the environment kind of thing. That's actually pretty well done. I, I got to give them credit for that one. That, that is actually pretty well done. There's, it's got its own kind of progression system and it actually ties into the, uh, the storyline mode. So you can kind of, one of your options is you can send strike teams down to do missions and you can like level them up. It's, you're not playing them or you can elect to do those as multiplayer missions and, and they can be quite fun. You know, it, it's, that part's not bad. Um, now, one of the other things that I, I would kind of offer that was kind of going back to the kind of odd interactions, character interactions, Normally, I kind of, I kind of get a, it's kind of a fun, fun kick to get out of some of like the romance options that you have in games like this, like Dragon Age Inquisitions, a, you know, was one pr- pretty much this is a thing in a lot of these games now where you can somehow romance different characters in your party. This one is like focus groups gone wild. I have, it, it is incredibly all over the place and it's, and it's kind of invasive. It's literally like two in two conversation interactions into meeting some of the characters and you're trying to hook up with them. It's really, it's really kind of, kind of sketchy. Um, and, and YouTube is now absolutely replete with, uh, all of the different, like, you know, romance scenes, like the, uh, like the, the sex scenes and stuff. A couple of them are incredibly graphic. It's like one of those where it's like, I like, there's no way to turn them off in the game that I'm aware of. And it's literally like, that's the difference between me allowing my, my eight year old to play the game or not. It, it is literally like softcore porn <laughs> and, you know, full frontal nudity kind of thing on one of the characters. And then on some of the other ones, it's not, it's really, it's all over the place. And generally uh, some of them are not done very well. Like I haven't explored uh, any of the ro- the full romance trees, but I did take a look at some of the YouTube videos of them. Uh, once I kind of was comfortable getting past any of this, the spoilers and it's just really, there's some of them are really odd. So they, I think they just put a lot of weird time into that for some reason. Uh, so overall, I would probably give this about a 7.5, maybe an 8 out of 10. Um, if you took the name Mass Effect out and you called this literally like, just called it Andromeda, changed a couple of things where it didn't sound like it was in the Mass Effect universe, like literally just changed some of the, some of the character names, it, it'd probably be a pretty probably be getting reviewed better than it is now by most people, but because it's got mass effect in the title, you automatically compare it rightfully. So in the vein of those other games, and it's just not, they're just not, it's not, doesn't hold up quite well. I feel like that's to some degree what mass effect three got as well. Um, mass effect two was really incredible. And I, I think it's hard to do that more than once. Um, a lot of games, the you know, games, movies, etc. You know, you'll hit that perfect note, and then you'll try and hit it again, and you'll miss. Um, but it's still a Mass Effect game. It's still pretty good. It's you know, it's not bad. And like I said, it it is like when I say it's like you know, eight out of ten. It's pretty enjoyable. I mean, you can you can get a lot of game time out of. It. I tend to to continue to play it. 
but it is just um, like the other ones definitely took more chances. Like for, you know, like for example, uh, a lot of the stock races that you have in there, they add basically two alien races to to this whole new galaxy. So you're introduced with got like seven, no, actually you know, nine or ten interactable alien races over the uh, over the course of the first three, at least if not more, maybe. But you you basically have some like a handful of those that you carried over from your original Milky Way galaxy, go to the Andromeda galaxy, and you effectively meet two new ones, one of which is the bad guy. And the other one, they they are all of the characters in the game are basically all bipedal humanoids with a couple different like blocky things on their bodies, you know, that 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 change them up in some different color schemes. In the original games, you had like floating jellyfish, you had like the big elephant looking guy. I mean you had all kind of stuff that that was definitely Star Wars Cantina in its feel. Here you absolutely don't get that. There's no there there's no chances that they took whatsoever in the game. Uh and that really kind of disappointed me to be honest with you. Um and, and I actually kind of buy the idea that they kind of broke away from the whole Shepherd and that that was, you know, no no pun intended, but played out. Setting this 600 years in the future in a different galaxy, you had an infinite number of options in terms of storyline. And so all you're really doing is taking some of the, you know, some of the, you know, some of the world building pieces out and you, you kind of the, the lore and the structure, you know, things like that. They really could have put more time into this. It was just not, it just wasn't, like I said, they didn't take any chances on it. You know, I actually, I, I, I don't know, and I don't want you to ruin this for me if there is something, but it seemed it seemed like they, they really tried to ignore the question of what's, you know, if there's any connection. And and one of the things that I noticed, it's really early that I, I, I don't think really falls into spoiler territory. It's just, a, it's, a, it's an off comment in the prologue, really. Um, but they talk about uh, the impact of the genophage the genophage on the krogans currently and that's actually a choice you had in mass effect 3 and it pretty much ignores the fact that you know it could have had a different outcome um than they talked about in that segment and it 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 felt like they were kind of ignoring that question entirely of of what you know your your given shepherd did um in the past and uh the other thing that i i kind of wondered was you know 600 years in the future yeah but um that's because they were traveling for 600 years um so i guess the the actual amount of time between the mass effect trilogy and them packing up and leaving so their experiences of when they left to when they arrived is actually very very short um i'm not sure exactly how many years but it seems like there was a huge jump in technology there you know the the uh tempest looks like it doesn't need uh you know mass relays to to jump around and uh obviously earth built a pretty giant monstrosity of a vehicle um and so I, i'm kind of curious where this sits timeline wise there if that was like 50 years 10 years what um i i'm not sure yeah but there, there's there's a bit of time it, it but it definitely like the ending of mass effect 3 would have been um at least in some of the characters it would have been you know, a, uh, a first person memory. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm totally, I don't want to guess too much on the timeline. I literally, I don't have it in front of me, but I kind of, you get the feeling from some of the character interactions that like your dad would have been a, like a young military, like your, the character of your dad, uh, Alex Ryder. And it, you know, the protagonist's father would have been like a young 
young military member or something like that during Mass Effect 3. That, that's generally what I feel, but i probably go back and look that up, and it probably clears it up real quick. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm seeing just some quick Googling discussion saying that Mass Effect 3 was like in 2186, and I swear they said that they left for... 2185. Yeah. So, so um, maybe they, so maybe they don't know then. Do, right? Did did they miss this? You know, did did this whole crazy thing leave before? But that doesn't make any sense because they've got a, a Earth ship that's more capable than the Normandy SR two. So well, they they actually do explain a little bit of that. Um, like that. Don't spoil it. Don't ruin it. But yeah, just, <laughs> just it, you know it, I, it. It just felt really interesting to me. It felt like I I haven't had that explanation on where this fits in the world um and that's that's all i really wanted to share there hey yeah. how are the monsters on the alien worlds some of them aren't some of them aren't bipedal are they they're they're no, like yeah, they're, they're, ground they're on four very, legs and they're shit. very generic like i mean everything in the game this, this, is, this is the thing that kills me about this everything that i've ran into so far is I could literally pick it up and drop it into any other number of games I've ever played, and it looks like exactly like something like that. So, like on the first on the, on the first planet you go to, um, you know some of the some of the the life forms that are there they literally they look like you know kind of green spiders that you know little spider or scorpion looking things. Absolutely nothing crazy about them at all, um, or, or nothing that you haven't seen in any number of other games. Um, the the bad guys are incredibly generic in terms of what you're fighting uh, there's literally nothing that i've run into that i'm like oh that's kind of neat looking and if you if you look at several of the races they all have extremely similar body types so the let's see one two three four i think four of them basically they're they all are you know all of them are bipedal kind of humanoid looking but there's four of them they have that sort of like a bent legged uh sort of sort of design i don't know how to i don't know what the actual biomechanical term is but uh it's like your your knee goes in the wrong place and you kind of like how you picture like a werewolf walking or something like that they all have sort of that bird-like kind of uh, kind of leg they're all they're all exactly the same like i mean the only thing that's different about them is how big they stretch the chest you know the width of the chest and then what accoutrement they they put on the neck and head it, it very reminiscent of like star trek and you know the new generation like how every alien was just just shove something on the forehead rubber yeah, it, forehead it was, prostatic in your literally different variations on on like what kind of rubber mask you could put on on a, on a human actor <laughs> um which which truly was was kind of a pain in the ass because that like in the first one like when you actually had to deal with like the, like i said the big floating jellyfish looking thing i was like wow that's like that's like an alien. That's like for real. <laughs> so a couple of things, right? Um, the Jay, you were talking about the the strike teams earlier. Did you did you play like Assassin's Creed two at all by chance? I I did not. I've I played through okay. the first Assassin's Creed, and after that, I'm pretty much just waiting on the uh, catching the movie on Netflix. Okay, so sorry. Um, so in it started in in two, and they carried it out. Through through at least revelations, I know for a fact. I can't remember for the other games, but there was a there was an aspect, <clears throat> excuse me, where you could you it, it sounded kind of like uh, how you described the the strike teams, where you you recruited you went through the the world and you recruited your assassins and then you could send them to do missions in in different parts of of the known world 
Um, and then you got you got rewards uh, for for your assassin for your character. So it'd be money or um, I think someone had like had uh, paintings or whatever uh, shit like that. Is, is there something? Is there a similar thing uh, in yeah. in Andromeda where you get? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly how it works. So like oh, you okay. uh, early early in the mission, like once you get your big like arc ship to the uh, to the nexus point or to the big space station. Uh, you have access to these things called, and once you've established a relationship with the security guy in, very early in the, in the game, there's these things called Apex teams. That's his little strike teams. And then you can go into a min, into a series of menus and you can either elect to play the mission in co-op multiplayer. Uh, not, it's not PVP, it's like PVE, but you can elect to do that uh, and, you get, and you get some benefits or you... You can elect to send a strike team down and then, you know, like after an hour, half cool down or whatever, you go back and check and, and, and see what kind of stuff you got out of it. And the multiplayer characters, it's not like your character where you get like XP for that. It's like a different character that is static and it stays, stays with you. Uh, so you're actually kind of running like, you know, kind of, it's like a parallel character, so to speak. Um but yeah, it's, it works. It sounds like fundamentally the same way, but you can get some good drops off of it and stuff like that. Uh, and you could level up the little strike teams and, and all that kind of jazz so that their percentage chance of success goes higher. That that sort of thing. That sounds it, like the the sort of stuff you see in Heck World of Warcraft's garrison stuff. And, and yeah, I haven't tried. Yeah, I, exactly. I saw the table in Mass Effect, but I hadn't. I literally it was like two a.m. and I signed off before I opened it. But yeah, that sounds a lot like uh, what I've seen in a couple different games, uh, MMOs specifically, uh, where you send off little little minions to do things with a percentage success. That's actually a really cool idea. Yeah. I, I like because I mean you, you see that those mini games pop up in in single player games like Assassin's Creed, like Bates said, is a really good example of that. And it's it's novel, but it's ultimately basically a cell phone game. In some cases, it actually is a cell phone game that runs parallel to the game. But using that to kind of tie in like a multiplayer aspect is actually really clever. That's I, I like that. That that should be done more often. And that's my favorite part of it. That's um, I I feel like that's something that. Uh, that Unity uh, should have done with, with their heists and their uh, shit, what was the other one? Heists and something of and some of the stupid shit. I feel like that's what they should have done with with that thing um, instead of you know making it full on co-op. Give you the option to to do co-op is you know not part of the main story or not part of the main game if if, if that makes sense. Completely separate character. Yeah, it's. I mean that like I said that part is actually well crafted and it is a. I, I have not yet I've only played like once with other people and nobody was on mic so it was kind of kind of sketchy but that would be a that, that could be a fun co-op experience it's definitely like your classic uh, you know PVE survival thing like multiple waves of enemies coming at you kind of thing it it's you know it's not elaborate but pretty fun you know but could be pretty good uh, overall there's a lot of good things in the game but they it just there, it just there's certain notes that it just didn't strike real well. Now I will say this though, um, I think that I, I hope that this game does good enough that Bioware will make an Andromeda too, uh, because Bioware doesn't miss much. They don't they don't like you know they don't put a lot of stuff on the street that is you know you know substandard. This is not sub substandard. It just doesn't live up to that that big billing that it had. Um, I think if if this 
if they can bring themselves to, to make an update on this game or like a, like a part two, you know, an Andromeda two, it has the potential to be really ball, really baller. Right? I, I truly believe that. Um, the, there, there's just some things they need to really clean up on it. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty, pretty good and all encompassing review of the game. So thank you. Thank you guys for that one. That's, that's good information. That's, uh, it's good to know. Uh, so we'll probably move along here now. Bait absolutely failed. Did not do his homework. Was unable to play one of the freebie games on Xbox and give us a proper review. However, he has come armed with the list of free games for Xbox for the month of April. So I'm going to hand this over to him to go over those. Yes. Uh, have no fear, my my fellow Xbox player. Uh, the game I was going to revolve or uh, excuse me review was Evolve, but I think we all decided it was it's pretty shit. shit. Um, I actually really wanted to play it, but I went to go get it from the store, from the from the Xbox store, and it it was the the version that had all the all the extra content. And for some reason, it didn't put the base game at the top of the install queue, the download queue. So it was trying to install all my cosmetics for a game that wasn't on Xbox, and it fucked up. And even when moving the main game to the top of the queue, it would not download or install. So Fuck you, makers of Evolve and Xbox for somehow fucking up. I didn't fuck it up. It was you. Um, so, with that out of the way, the games for the free games for April are really solid. I'm, I'm quite pleased with them. So, for the Xbox One, you've got Rise Son of Rome, is the like ancient Rome gladiator game, is a launch title, I believe, uh, for the entire month. And then, uh, for the 16th of April through the 15th of May, you got Walking Dead Season 2. It's a Telltale's game. Highly recommend it. Uh, play the shit out of that. It's such a good game. Um, for the Xbox One, the first 15 days of the month, you get Darksiders. Uh, and then the second 15 days of the month, you get Assassin's Creed Revelations. So, very good looking lineup. All right, pretty good stuff. So thank you for that bait. Um, I will probably play one of the PS4 freebies for March and do that one next week, and then we'll we'll have bait do a review of one of those games he just talked about uh, starting in early April for you guys. So that being said, I think we've pretty much exhausted our list of topics here. Anything else you guys want to touch on quick before we go into shoutouts? No, I think I think you're I think we had a pretty pretty good uh, full show on this one. All right, sounds good. So. Let's start at the top of the list with Zell. I know he actually has a shout out this week, so go ahead, man. There's a there's this great uh, Deadpool musical parody of uh, like the Gaston song from Beauty and the Beast. It's wonderful. It it, it really is. I I highly recommend it. It will be in the show notes. Um, the the voice I think is pretty. His impression of Ryan Reynolds is actually pretty spot on at the beginning. Um, probably goes down a little bit during the singing, but doing impressions while singing is really hard, so I, I don't fault it. Um, it's hilarious. No, I haven't listened to this with music yet. I'm just kind of looking at it right now. This is fan-made? Yes. And it looks, it looks it's great. It's really though. well done. Yeah, like, they even had, like, the CGI eyes and, like, to show the expressiveness going on. That's, that's really solid. Yeah, very cool stuff. All right, Bate, you're up, man. Um. Yeah, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my literature teacher who does not know how to fucking measure margins. Uh, my margins are totally an inch all the way around, man. Um, some of your edits are bullshit. Uh, what else? Shout out to my neighbors for partially taking the cat thing well. Uh, their kids kind of were boohoo, but, you know, get another fucking cat and keep it inside. 
Uh, what else? Shout out to my friend. Got me a job starting on Tuesday. Korean barbecue joint. Oh, for cat jokes. Yeah, I'm not cooking cats, so don't even. You, just, you, you knew that one was coming. You just I like, knew it was gonna, coming. I was I'm ready, just going to end that one right there. I, I was ready at the beginning of the show when I decided what my shout-outs were, man. I was ready. And I think that'll be it. All right. Sounds good. And Jake? Ooh, uh, tough one. So I'll have to give a shout-out to who do I got today. Hmm. You know, this is like a rare one. I don't really have much of a shout out. I'll tell you what, shout out to all the things that are actually B plus and enjoyable, uh, even though you desperately want them to be an A plus thing, uh, which I would offer is a whole lot of stuff. I've, I've got uh, a list. <laughs> no, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I mean, we talked about Mass Effect, talked about, uh, you know, Justice League, variety of other things. You, We all desperately want these things to be like, knock it out of the park good because it's, it kind of falls into a niche of kind of nerddom or geekdom that we, that we like. Um, but the reality is most of them won't be that. Uh, if you look, you know, I'm a big believer in the bell curve, but at the end of the day, B plus things are actually still pretty good. <laughs> And they're, and we often want them to be better, uh, but it's it's not as easy as you think to get that last ten percent to get B plus to an A plus. So, uh, hats off to a bunch of people that made a bunch of B plus things, which, for the record, will get you far in life if you do a lot of B plus things. I'm I'm living proof of that. So, uh, with my three point one grade great grade point average in college, so uh, just a thing. <laughs> All right. Um, all right, and so for me, not so much a shout-out, just something I kind of wanted to do a, a brief blurb on. Uh, so probably many of you who listen to the show are um, understandably interested in what CCP is doing with Project Nova. You probably may also be aware that the schedule for FanFest 2017 came out this week, and there was not a line item on there to discuss Nova. Now, before people freak out because people have been freaking out, I'll remind you that in 2016, when they first announced Nova for the first time, it was part of the opening keynote and did not have its own line item. So this is as expected. I, I didn't expect to have its own thing. Um, conversations with the CPM, or I guess former CPM, for those of you who are not in Discord, kind of talked to Rattati about it. He basically said, I'm not saying there's won't be anything there, um, but we're not going to be able to show much because it's just simply not ready yet. So don't get your hopes up. Don't think that, you know, there's going to be some massive reveal with Alpha starting today, that sort of crazy thing. That's It's not going to happen. Um, but also don't be alarmed by the fact that there's not anything specifically on the schedule about it. Chances are, and this is more of my personal opinion, it'll probably be a, hey, we're working on it. We don't have anything to show you, but, you know, stay tuned. Usual bullshit. But that's probably what you should expect. Um, the, again, talking with the CPM and, and the devs and whatnot, the game's not canceled. Don't freak out. Don't let crazy YouTubers with speculation videos go into massive rants about how the game is canceled because it's not on the schedule. Just something I wanted to throw out there. So I, I got to ask, what you man, is, yeah, is yeah. anybody actually still... Like I mean, what what five guys are still driving themselves nuts over this? Um, Cat Murk, Ripley Riley, uh, Darth Carbonite trolling, Denny, who is fiercely Denny, crying into a pillow, just, pillow of of, of Ritati, uh, and probably I don't know, the speaker for the dead or something, hoping that they'll put tanks in. I, I don't know, but you know. so I I just got this bad image. I shouldn't share this on the uh, on the show before, but I'm I'm going to is. 
you you're talking about see you mentioned denny crying into a pillow of rotati i'm just thinking of these those like waifu pillow things you can get on the internet (laughs) are you suggesting that that rotati is denny's waifu i'm just throwing it out there well yeah and if we flip the pillow we will investigate it. this and report on this next week if this is possible. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got Rattani on one side. If you flip it over, it's got the you know the naughty version. It's him like naked in a bearskin, you know, holding a, a Viking sword or something. Um, and and Jadik and I can probably put something together for you guys so you can have you know Rattani is is Denny's waifu. Um, but yeah, so that's that's just something I wanted to throw out there. Um, you know, it's 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 something that I saw people kind of freaking out about and it's like guys chill out this is kind of as expected and don't expect much but don't be losing your shit over it either so that's all i've got um that being said again i want to thank everyone for tuning into the show if you have any topics you want us to cover if you want to be on the show please let us know all of our information is available on biomass.net or biomass.com take your pick um, we all check our Twitters fairly regularly and, and email and that sort of thing. So let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover. Uh, that being said, everyone, please have a great night and be safe out there.